0: that is taking the time to recognize that your business doesn't have to remain static. It's evolving. That's the idea of embracing your business. You are
1: listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 379 of Text Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to DocuSign for sponsoring this episode. Today, let's talk about the three principles of production as outlined in the book In the Black that looks at the nine principles you need to follow to make your accounting practice profitable. We covered the three principles of marketing in the last two episodes. So today it is about production. Here's Roger Connect of the Universal Accounting Center in Utah. Production. Coming to production or operations. Do you actually, in your book, call it production or operations? I think you call it production. Correct? It's
0: production. Yeah, we call yeah. it production because what we're trying to do is we're essentially saying all that time and energy, all that effort to market and sell. We're trying to generate a client, but once that transaction's happened, once the client has agreed to the product or service, now it's up to us to over deliver. And it's what we're going to do to now make that client happy and pleased with the results we're going to provide, whether it be a product or a service. And so at this point, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be focusing on the onboarding, That we're doing with the client, what we're going to be doing with the workflow to ensure that we're producing a quality product every month. And at the same time, we're looking at client relations. What are we doing to interact with that client so that they can feel as if they're actually getting more than they deserve, more than they expected? And so that's the production side of the business. And that's really going to impact the lifetime value of the client. And more importantly, the client relationship that could ultimately result in referrals and so forth.
1: Production principle number one short term poor on the communication the title of your first step in production surprised me it says poor on the communication what does it actually mean I'm not sure what it means I mean do we mean poor as in poor water or yes. so it basically means increase communication or fine-tune your communication
0: yeah there's two things going on here and in the book we elaborate on it quite a bit but the point is is there's two individuals that we need to be communicating with. First of all, the client, we have to set the expectation. And I do feel too often, it's ambiguous what the client can expect from the services they're paying for. In other words, there's too often where the client is misunderstanding what they're actually purchasing. And too often, it's unclear what they're going to receive. And so what we need to do is recognize that we need to do a much better job in, in our letter of engagement, in the communication with our customers as to what is expected of them and what they can expect of us. And I'll just give you an example from an accounting point of view. I think it's unclear what the onboarding experience really entails because today it involves getting passwords and access. There's a lot of information that we need to be getting as accounting professionals from our clients. And when we're explaining the onboarding, I think too often we're, we're not being so explicit or clear that for the first month, We're gonna have to spend time getting access to quite a bit of information and that could involve logins passwords and and permissions and i think too often the business owner is assuming okay i just signed the agreement go to work you know figure this out and it's like well we can't do much until you start giving us access and so we have to be explicitly clear that the onboarding is going to consist of maybe a meeting or two or three that's going to involve us getting access to things so you have double authentication we're gonna ask for an access and they're the ones gonna get notified that somebody's trying to get into an account. Well, they through that that authentication process is going to receive a password. Well, we've gotta collaborate. Okay, I'm gonna do this now. Are you available to actually take that authentication and give Hello. it to me? There's a lot of things going on here that we need to recognize are, timely and if we're not clear on what the expectation is or what we're going to experience with the business owner they could get frustrated and i think too often that does happen so pour on the communications that way from us to the client but internally when you have employees i think it's very important to explain here's what the client's expecting here's what we've told them we will do here's what they're needing from us and internally we've got to make sure that we're actually pouring on that communication and so that communication can consist of text messages, phone calls, emails. There's a variety of things that we need to be doing in the organization to facilitate that. Do we have regular meetings, monthly meetings? How often are we going to expect to meet internally to kind of collaborate externally with the client to deliver that information? This all falls under the poor on the communication umbrella.
1: Could you also say instead of poor on communication, could you also say set, set expectations?
0: Oh, of course, set yeah, and that, and that and that's set in there. Yes.
1: Coming back to onboarding, yes, it is about what do I need from you, but I think it's also you know set expectations. This is what we're going to do. This is not included because I think the biggest issue for us as tax agents or accountants is scope creep. That mm-hmm. the client thinks they're getting a lot more than they actually signed up for.
0: That's exactly what this is trying to address. We're going to mitigate that problem by simply making it abundantly clear what's going on that's pouring on the communication. I think it's just basically recognizing that too often we hear what we want to hear. And at the same time, we oversimplify things, which is to suggest it's a broad, vague statement and, you know, we'll take care of you. We'll do your accounting. Well, what does that mean? Uh, How often are we going to be meeting? How useful is the information that I can expect from you? What do I do with the information you give me? What are you expecting from me? I think one thing that our clients sometimes struggle with is what's the time commitment that they should expect that we have of them. Uh, Just agreeing to pay us isn't enough. We need their attention. So these are all things that fall into poor on the the communication.
1: Yes, I agree. And that is actually the crux, I think, of our profession. Very often we can't do the work without input from the client.
0: Uh These are their books.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so we very much depend on them and that... How how responsive they are, how organized they are, how accurate they are in their responses, all this really affects how time-consuming it is for us. But if a client is unorganized, it's very difficult to change them.
0: But if we can set the expectations of what is needed, they'll realize that what we need in order for us to do their jobs is the collaboration. These are their books. We can't do our work in a vacuum. We, we need them to give us certain information, access. There are things that we don't understand oftentimes in the books. And so what we need to do is be able to ask those questions. And so we need to provide a venue to do that. How often are we meeting with the client? I think too often we're trying to avoid meeting and they're trying to avoid us. So what's the motivation for either of us to meet? I think having a standing meeting once a month is very essential to the client relationship. And so that's what I'd be promoting.
1: Would you recommend sending a resp- setting a response time in the engagement letter?
0: Mm-hmm. I think setting those expectations clearly falls into the porn in the communications. We're sell- telling them that oftentimes things come to a stop and I need your input before I can proceed and for you to put into the letter of engagement that there's a 24-48 hour business turnaround, that's helpful because it's setting that standard and that expectation I think needs to be communicated. Just a clarification, core on the communication is talking to the client and setting those expectations, being clear and specific as to what it is they're paying for and what they can expect from us and so forth but also it is meant to address internal communications. I think when you recognize that you perhaps have employees that weren't privy to the conversation that took place with the client, and therefore you need to be doing a good job of setting a clear understanding of your employees of what it is that that the client expects and needs so that we can be delivering that. And I feel that inside of your company that establishes a very clear culture that needs to be addressed and so, on the communication is internal and external, is my point.
1: Production principle number two, medium term. Improve your internal processes. So now we come to the medium term. Poor on the communication was short term. Now we come to medium term. Improve your internal processes. So in in poor on communication, we communicated the expectations to our internal staff of what needs to get done. But now medium term we need to work on the processes so that this gets done much more efficiently than before, correct?
0: Correct, and you said the key word, it's efficiency. What we're doing here at this point is we're we're evaluating the processes of how we do work. So the client, they're off doing their thing. So now we're in our in our bubble doing our work. How are we doing it? What tools, technologies, processes, procedures have we established to ensure that the work's being done in a timely manner and that it's being done consistently, which is to say, whomever does it, does it the same way for all of our clients. And so we're delivering a similar product regardless of whom they're working with. And I think once we recognize that the processes that we have actually determine the value of our business and the worth of what it is we're doing, That's hugely important. And what you've said when you uh, asked the question is primarily important. It's the efficiency in which we do the work. That's gonna determine the profitability. If we're slow, inefficient, if we're not productive, it's going to hugely affect in a negative way our profitability as a business. So the more that we can invest in processes, procedures, tools, technologies, our tech stack, that basically ensures that we're going to do quality work in an efficient way so that we can be paid what we're worth. I think that being a medium thing, it's meant to say on a quarterly basis, what's that new thing that we're going to look at in the business to implement? I believe each quarter what we need to do is look at our processes and assess is there something that we could streamline, something that there's maybe a new technology out there that we can incorporate. And the reason why I suggest that it's a quarter to do this is it takes time for the business owner to identify what that next thing is. And once it's identified, I think too often we move from one to the next. And so you w- we want to give ourselves time as a business to train everyone in the company. We want to find enough time in the organization to fully embrace and implement it because I think a lot of times what we're doing is we're failing to fully utilize a lot of the technology that we're adopting. When we take a certain technology and bring it into the company, and we start paying for that service, That's something that we should know intimately. We should be going through all the training so that we become experts in that platform and fully utilize its capabilities within the organization. And too often I find that that's not the case. What happens is we get shiny object syndrome and the business owner goes to the next shiny object, the new bell and whistle, the new technology, before the previous one was fully learned, adopted and implemented in the company.
1: That's a real crooks because it's also sometimes that three apps do three things but each app does one thing better than the other so for example in zero there are quite a lot of things you can do in zero but zero doesn't do it that well and hence you use another app
0: well thank you and uh, your example of zero i think is a good example if that's the platform you're choosing to utilize i dare say you should become an expert in that before going off and embracing some other technology because either one, it does do what you're hoping it may, and you're just not fully aware of how to implement it. Or two, if you just became an expert at it, maybe you will see a different solution than what you're noticing when you're not fully an expert in that platform.
1: The whole technology side is really tricky. It takes an enormous amount of time to choose an app, to implement it, and then the app is not always as good as you thought it. I've had it twice now that I implemented an app, spent weeks on it, and then in the end... The thought, now this is not how I had hoped it would work. And then you're back to the drawing board and you wasted weeks of training and trying to make it work.
0: Yeah, the easiest way I would say it is, first of all, the implementation takes longer than you expect. If you think it'll take days, it'll take weeks. If you think it'll take weeks, it'll take months. The second thing is, is once you make that financial commitment and choose to do it, you've got to understand that, especially in an office, you're gonna have a period of time that there's a buy-in and the employees aren't gonna be as excited as you are about adopting it, implementing it, learning it. And so that's gonna take you longer still. And then there is a learning curve and what you think will be quick and easy to learn takes again longer. And so what the company selling you the service, the app are wanting to suggest to you is that the onboarding process is quick and easy, seamless. We've done this before. And that's all perhaps true, but it's never as seamless, it's never as easy, it's never as timely. So we just need to recognize that reality sets in very quickly and we have to manage that. And as owners of accounting firms, we've got to recognize that we've got to be very deliberate in what we choose to embrace within our organizations to help us with efficiency.
1: But, and I'm sorry I'm dwelling on this point, but sometimes you decide to go with an app because it seems to be the best And then you spend a lot of time on it. And the whole time you think, I just need to understand it better. I just need to do more training. I just need to get on top of this. And then after two or three or four or five months, it dawns on you. I really don't like this app. I don't like what it feels like. It doesn't really work. I spent more time than before on doing things. And then, yeah, there comes a moment of realization where you just uh, realize this is not working. We have to go back to the drawing board.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I've experienced this in my own company. Even knowing what I'm sharing doesn't mean I'm a void of these frustrations. So just a case in point, a number of months ago, we chose to leave a digital signature platform, something that we could use with our clients to have them sign digitally for uh, various things, documents and such. And we chose to leave a particular platform. And I still feel it was the right decision to leave it. But the solution we chose to embrace and implement was meant to be at least within a month, fully implemented within our organization, something within less than a month, we should have been able to fully adopt, train and in my opinion, be it status quo, where we were with the previous software system. It's been now four months and we have numerous problems still processing. Our sales team is very frustrated and it's all simply because of the adoption not going as as smoothly as we hoped. Although leaving the previous software the digital signature software was the right thing to do, I don't know that we've implemented the right solution. And so like you're describing, we may be at a point where at some point we're gonna have to say enough is enough and go in a different direction. But regardless, we're still at this this point trying to uh, make it work. And at some point you've got to cut your losses. You've got to recognize maybe this is is futile. We're not getting what we hoped out of this. And we're coming close to that decision where we're at a point where maybe we do need another uh, another solution, an alternative could be better. I hate to think we might be back to the drawing board, but that's what business is like. It's that continual mm-hmm. change that happens.
1: I have come to that realization. I just want to get out of this app. But then, of course, yeah, you're back to the drawing board. And then, of course, it takes a long time to work out what else could fill in. So that's that's where I am at the moment. I've decided we are leaving, but I don't know yet what the better solution is. So we are basically just staying on because I haven't had the heart yet to leave. But in my mind I have left.
0: You don't want to go from something to nothing, but I agree with you. At some point you recognize something isn't as good as it should be and you've got to find an alternative. But definitely wouldn't suggest
1: going from something to nothing. Fine-tune internal processes, definitely important, but really hard when it comes to technology you know when it still was more people doing things you could say okay sally you're doing this and peter you are doing this and you let mark know when this is done or so i just think it was a lot more straightforward than nowadays when you're looking for apps who can do it and then the app you know doesn't meet expectations I, i just find that a real bugbear that's a really tough one the technical side of internal processes
0: yeah yeah no very very true
1: production principle number three Long-term, take what you have and make it better. So the last, the long-term part of production is take what you have and make it better. It sounds a bit like the medium-term, look at your processes and make them better. How is this third one different to the second one?
0: It's different and we may have kind of addressed it, but it's different in the sense that you've got to be willing to walk away from what you're doing to embrace something new. I think too often we become accustomed to uh, certain things that in all honesty are an old hats way of doing things. There might be new, more robust ways. And so we've gotta be willing to really embrace the new technologies, the new processes. You know, journals and ledgers, they still work. If you wanted to, you could still use an abacus. I mean, there's, there's nothing that says these are ineffective, but honestly, there are more effective and efficient tools out there. So for someone to say, I'm not going to embrace software and uh, use, like you were saying, Zero, Sage, QuickBooks, I'm gonna stick with my journals and ledgers. Well, of course you can still prepare books, the the financials you can provide to your clients, but honestly, do you wanna take a day to generate a financial report each and every month or do you wanna take literally 30 seconds to put in a date range and produce the numbers and uh, print them off as a PDF and send them to your client? There, There's just so much to be said about embracing new technologies and identifying better ways to do the work and I I will also add to this um, there's a story and I actually don't think it's in the book so this would be good for me to share there was a process where we were actually in the in at the time looking at how to deliver the content that we have to certain individuals and in an effort to deliver the content we had three ring binders and the three ring binders we could easily go down to a office supply store and find something that was generic, white, slip in a little sleeve and put on the spine something that defined it. Or we could go out and with a dye literally get a custom-made binder that was imprinted with certain information on the outside. And there was a cost associated with that, a huge expense, but yet it was branding our product. And in doing so, it elevated the quality of what we were delivering. And the uh, previous president of the company, he was very interested in taking and elevating what we were delivering in hand to our clients so that they would take it. And when they held it, felt as if it was something of value, of worth, that they were paying for it and they're glad to receive it. Well, in this process, there was something that you could do when you were creating the binders that would allow you to insert a little bit of foam that would puff out the binder itself and make it fuller and make it more substantive. And I just thought, oh, my heavens, that's an additional expense. It's so much, so unnecessary because we're already branding this. We've already got our name on it. You know, it's a custom type thing. I mean, really, do we need to go to that extent? And it was a minimal expense, but it was something that he was insistent upon. And at the same time, I was pushing back saying it was unnecessary. Well, in hindsight, he was right. He was right to say that what we wanted to do is we were delivering a high-end quality product and we needed to portray that correctly. And so to have generic binders that weren't that nice versus something that was a unique binder for each of our deliverables and at the same time had this fuller look was so much more in line with what we were trying to tell our clients they were paying for. It. And at the end of the day, he was absolutely right And that additional expense we could raise our prices to more than compensate and offset that so i think it's just one example of pushing against the norm identifying who you are and what you do and really trying to figure out what it is that next year you can do to differentiate yourself in your own marketplace to change the experience of the customer it's that over deliver it's that thing of doing the aha how do you get your clients to say aha and what we're trying to do is just challenge you as a business owner to consider that and explore those types of situations.
1: Here's a quick word from our sponsor.
0: When it comes to tax talks, I'm no podcaster, but I am an accountant. And every day I advise on claims and deductions. Trouble is, I hadn't been looking after my own business. Well, with the government's tech rebate ending soon, I signed up to DocuSign and I've gone 100% digital. It's streamlined everything from onboarding to invoices. Now I kind of wish I'd taken my own advice sooner. Sign up for your free trial at docusign.com.au. Next time, DocuSign.
1: The reason I don't have so many questions about production, I think, is because that is what we as accountants are good at. We are good at producing, looking at internal processes, even though I was whining about how hard it is to work out the app, et cetera, it still feeds into our personality as nerdy introverts who like to tinkle in the garage. Do you agree with what I'm saying?
0: I do. And I think it does come natural. I think it's, it's comfortable for the accountant to actually consider that. But to give a complimentary thought, and we addressed this when we were discussing geometric marketing, by the way is realize that i think in production when you take what you have and you make it better is you recognize that there's so much more you can do for your client and it's it's bringing you back to that geometric growth opportunity that if you're providing bookkeeping services after doing it for so many years getting the experience and expertise that you have why not offer accounting services why not move into cfo services why not graduate into advisory services These are clear, distinct services that you can provide that are additional revenue streams that your clients will pay for. And so, when you're taking what you're having and taking what you're doing and making it better, it can bleed into your client base, is my point. But it also exists in your business. Imagine that today you don't offer certain benefits to you or your employees. Well, maybe this is a chance to really run this like a business and see what additional benefits you can offer to your employees. What is it that you could do that? maybe you would prefer and like a four day work week. It's a more vacation and holiday time. It's uh, figuring out, uh, maybe it's bring the the dog to work day. It's, it's literally taking and exploring so much more than what you're traditionally doing in your business to adapt it, just to give you a, a case in point. There was a situation where, in our business, years ago, I came to work literally in a suit and tie every single day—no exaggeration. And when—and I started 20 years ago doing this, but every day was coming to the office with a suit and tie. Well, if you'll notice, and you're not probably going to show the video, I don't have a suit nor do I have a tie on today, and uh, that—that's long gone. Long gone. But I do remember. Back in the day, years and years ago, when in our firm, we actually had the question of whether or not we should have dress down Friday. Should we go from wearing the suit coat to maybe just having a shirt and tie? That was a conversation. I remember the daughter of the president of the company at the time insisting that we needed to have a dress down Friday. She wanted to have a day where we could wear Levi's to the office. And that was just frowned upon and pushed back upon. All of a sudden, you have to realize that today, Everybody's wearing Levi's to work five days a week. So it's just an evolution that I've clearly seen in my career that is taking the time to recognize that your business doesn't have to remain static. It's evolving. That's the idea of embracing your business. If your company is the same as it was five years ago, shame on you.
1: Welcome back. So this was production. In the next episode, the final episode about in the black. And before we go back to text questions, Roger Connect of the Universal Accounting Center in Utah will go through the three principles of accounting. As you remember, there's marketing, production and accounting. So next we discuss accounting and I hope you will have some insights that you didn't have before, at least I did. And just like last week, let's do the second episode or the the fourth in this mini series, let's do it tomorrow so that you have enough content this week, because this episode was quite short. It's kind of tricky. Sometimes it was too much for two episodes and a little bit short for four. So let's do the final fourth one tomorrow. And then we go back to text questions next week. So next week we will cover the court case that determined once and for all that Bitcoin is not a currency. And tomorrow, in the black, accounting. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to DocuSign for their support. Bye for now and see you on the next episode.